has given me a real picture over the last few years of uh, actually started when we were probably three or four years in Asia because we lived in Manila and we're in Vietnam and we're in India and we're in Bhutan and we're in Nepal. And every time you fly into one of those places, it's like flying into North Korea. I mean, you can feel the spiritual blockades, you can feel the atmosphere change. You can get the largest church in Bhutan in your foyer out there. It's the largest church in the whole entire nation. About 200 people, about a thousand known believers in the entire nation. So now you're talking about places that have been spiritual strongholds for four, five, six thousand years. No open heaven. I'm teaching the same thing. I'm teaching stuff I wrote. And I'm hoping I can remember the next line. Because it's just the mind of And I began to see what's like for Israel. You know, the whole Old Testament's your example. I began to see what's like for Israel to get out of Egypt. And then it's been 40 years getting Egypt out of them. 40 years in the wilderness. Whole generation changed because they couldn't believe. So a whole generation changed. By a tale of one guy takes up and tries to get a couple million people in the wilderness. One guy does it. So they come to the Jordan River finally, a new generation, and it's river dying. It's all or nothing. Some people never could make the cross. And so that's kind of where we are. You know, Egypt still looks a little bit good. We're still kind of looking back there, the wilderness and all that bad. You know, it's just a fearful thing for us to lay our lives down and take that step over, whether it's a call to ministry. Whether it's a call to another level of what God is asking you, whether it's a call to lay down whatever's left of Egypt, we get the Jordan River, and some of the tribes never did go over. That's where they stayed, that's where they came. And then if you got over Jordan River, the next thing on the other side was circumcision. But now you've got a whole generation that grew up in the wilderness and they've never had their hearts or our hearts circumcised. And so now God's saying, okay, you've done it. Are you really going to do it? Then there was heart circumcision. And so now you're in the promised land. No, now there's Jericho. You thought the wilderness was bad. Nah. You thought Jordan was bad. Nah. Now there's Jericho. And so then they had to learn how to move together as one. No more individualism. They had to learn how to move together as one. Divine strategies and take out this Jericho so they could begin to now fight with seven tribes greater than themselves. So you may find yourself in this picture somewhere along the way. You know, maybe you think, God over Jordan. Oh, there's Jericho. Okay, we've got Jericho. Okay. Now we've got Jebusites, Sinites, you know, Canaanites, seven nations greater than yourself. By the time they got to that, they took them all out in two chapters, and you don't even get any explanation of how they did it most of the time. Because once you learn to cross Jordan and take out Jericho, then the battle of the skirmishes get easier and easier, and then there were giants. So really take possession. They didn't even kill the giants. It says Caleb displaced them. That's the same word we use for inheritance, which means you stub them out and you settle in their place. And so you find yourself along the way. So we're in all of these places. So I just want to encourage you this morning. We're still plowing right now. I believe the day has changed. I believe we're in a new day. The new days start at midnight. And the first thing you do is deal with about six hours. About a fourth of the day is in the dark until the dawn comes. So I just encourage you. I can feel it in the house this morning. A lot of you doing good, but we're all plowing. 
all right. Let's pick flowers. The Bible says, send Judah first. Judah means praise. Send Judah first because Judah plows. And so you have to learn how to plow in this season without you plowing. You have to let Holy Ghost plow through you. You have to let your worship plow. You have to let your prayers, your prayers plow. Jesus said, yoke yourself to me. He says, come and yoke up to me because my burdens are light. It's easy if you yoke with me. You yoke at the shoulders. That's governmental level. You have to let Jesus govern these things. Yoking up to him doesn't mean you're a platform. It means you are governing these things together. You have a domain. You have a dominion. Your prayers mean something. You're praying stuff for 10, 20, 30 years. You don't know all that's going to happen out of your prayers. So I encourage you this morning, just keep uh, doing what you're doing. Or changing what you're doing is not working, but that's kind of what we want to hit this morning. Uh, this is just real basic. For those of you that don't know me, I'm from Fredersville. I grew up here. God called us to do something in the church here on the other side of town, New Life Assembly. We went to Bible school, and there God spoke to us about the nations. And so we joined those two nations in 1990 and moved to the in 1991. We spent 19 years there. I uh, worked in about a dozen countries. I'm now up to about 24 nations that I've done ministry in and uh, grew a team in Asia. Uh, big enough that they asked me if I would be the vice president of this thing. So I'm responsible for about 1,400 people working in about 30 nations. We are probably going to reach more than uh, half a million people last year, at least in Asia alive in some way in those nations. COVID shut uh, a lot of things down. But it opened a lot of things up. We 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 were not able to minister in settings like this. We've got fewer people in our churches, but we got more of our people in their homes. So it just God's just doing something in this season. And so I spend a lot of time teaching and ministering to our own guys and in churches wherever I can. And so this has been a journey for me. I've always felt like I'm just every man. I'm just what God does with the average person. Uh, ordinary people, extraordinary God. I'm just what God does if we let Him. And uh, I just encourage you, wherever you are in life, whatever age you are, let God call you. I mean, I was just sitting in a pew for what was nearly half of my life at that point. Uh, just sitting in a pew, uh, watching a spiritual picture show until God called me to engage. And so I just like to do things on Sundays to help us all engage uh, whether we've been running this thing for a while or whether we're just getting started. And so I kind of threw this question up there last time. Hey, there's no PowerPoint behind me this morning. I kind of threw this question up there last time. Uh, where are we? And so I always like being here to speak to who you are and where we're going. And the verse that I'm going to kind of work from this morning to start out with is one of my favorite verses. Proverbs 23, verse 7, we're just going to, this is where we're going to stay today. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Not in his brain, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And that's a good thing. If you think yourself to be what God thinks you are, then that's going to shape what you're becoming. If you haven't reached that spot yet, and that's where we're really going to challenge today, if you think of yourself to be something other than God thinks you to be, then you are who you think you are. What you believe to be true will control you whether it's true or not. If you believe a lie, and that's what you believe, then that determines your outcome. And so we 
really want to kind of take that this morning. I have three scenarios that we all live from to some degree. This is a little bit oversimplified, but you know, I work with a lot of people, and um, a lot of people go through life without thinking at all. We just kind of spectators on this grand ride. Life has got us kind of by the neck. We're working long hours. We've got a house, a home we take care of. We've got kids. So we go to work, we go to school, we go to home, and we just long do it all over and over again. And some of your age of life, uh, but we kind of stay on the treadmill of life and uh, don't have much time for anything else. And we remain pretty spiritual, spiritually passive. And for some of us, life has affected us in such a way, and we'll talk about this as we go, that we don't have a very high opinion of ourselves. We really don't see ourselves the way God sees us. It's kind of become a product of what has been spoken over us, and we can be 16 or 60 and still have those same wounds and things in our heart. And it's really hard for us to engage much of what the pastor or the minister or the Bible even says about us, because we've got walls, we've got strongholds, we believe some things about ourselves that are stronger than what God believes about us. And so we also believe a lie that makes it hard for God's truth to really have much impact. And then kind of the third fear we live in is uh, at some point we begin to press, we begin to pursue, even if it takes effort, even if it hurts at times, even if we don't have all the answers, we keep going where we feel like God is going. And for a lot of us, that's kind of where we are right now. For some of us, this last season has been a disappointing season. I think God's going to uh, do something about that uh, soon. Uh, we paid a lot of attention to some pretty solid prophets in this last season, and, and most of the ones that I trust are holding their ground right now that God's about to do something that we would never have expected uh, in our day. He has taken a way lot longer than, uh, than I am comfortable with. Uh, but God's pulling us into something. 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 And I just wanted to make you aware of that because I believe we're being pulled out of the church age kind of into a kingdom age. I believe the kingdom is going to come. That's what Jesus told us to pray. We have spent a lot of time focusing on how the church works, and that's a good thing because Jesus said, I will build my church. But I think he has built a remnant that he's ready to do something with, and he's ready to move some kingdom. And uh, I just ordered a book from, from uh, Wanda Alger uh, that, is, that says, From Sword to Scepter. We've got to learn to use our sword, but there's a time when you learn to reign over your domain. And so I like it. It's basic things. This is rather basic. I think I'm going to mostly be teaching this morning. Um, God is doing some things in us so He can do some things with us. And God's just kind of deconstructing us in a lot of ways, focusing on some things now. Uh, I used, I don't think I used this example with you uh, when I was here last time. I might have, but my brother is an engineer and uh, he gave it to me to graduate from Purdue to get his degree. He had to build a uh, bridge out of toothpaste. And then they start putting weight on it and his Greatest way to pound and a half, and it held about a ton before it exploded. And a lot of what's happening right now is God is saying, What he can move across your bridge? We're in a season of testing right now, a pretty serious one, 
And what God is seeing is where you hang uh, prophetically, where you hang spiritually, what He can move through you, what are you hearing from Him, what are you stewarding uh, in your life, because He would like to hang you a lot more uh, when the kingdom begins to move. And so there's a lot going on right now. And so, no matter which scenario you're in, and honestly, we're probably in some combination of those things. You're usually not just entirely in one place. You may be in one place, you just don't want to go there. We're not going to talk about it. In other places, we're moving with God. Sometimes we're zoned out in some areas and tuned in in another. But God's going after those things right now. Because as we said there, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And we don't want to miss. And I think this is the great appeal of heaven right now. And I'm just saying to you, you don't want to miss what God is getting ready to do. So anything that we can do to prepare ourselves uh, is going to be good. We work on chronos time. Chronos is a Greek word in your Bible for time. And it just means day after day, hour after hour, week after week, month after month, time. Sometimes we kind of slip into that. And we're just kind of going through the motions. We're just doing what we do. We're just living life. Uh, as I said, but along the way, you're going to get these kairos moments. Kairos is the Greek word that means opportune time. It says that in the opportune time that Jesus was tested, and so he waited for a more opportune time. You get these moments of opportunity. And I'm just telling you right now, God is doing everything he can to set you up. I just want you to hear me this morning. God is doing everything he can to set you up for these Moments of opportunity, these rose moments, whatever it takes. That's where callings come. You know, my calling came at a Kaidiros moment. Spiritual breakthrough comes this way, where you'll just get a scripture, you'll get a something from God, you'll get a something that encourages you to hold on or to push harder or to do something you haven't been doing before. Seasons in God, we move from season to season. And seasons in God work this way if we catch it. We catch it when the season changes in the natural. We have to catch it when the season changes in the spiritual. And it'll sneak up on you if you're not paying attention. The season is changing right now. And Moses had to turn aside and catch that burning bush. And the disciples had to wait in that upper room until the Holy Ghost fell. We have to make room. We have to make room. We have to make room. We have to make room for these things in our lives. If you're working five, six days a week, that's hard to do. We put the Sabbath pretty much out of our lives. Uh, in a lot of ways, we do this on Sunday morning, and then who knows what we're off to in the afternoon. But it's going to take something a little different from that. Thank God. You're in a house where you can hear from God on Sunday morning. Good presence of God and good anointing. The Lord can speak to your heart right in here. But if you can do some of that during the week, it will help you out because God. Uh, it's really working to get our attention right now. And we have to be doing some things that facilitate God intervening in our life or we'll miss these opportunities. He has just really, I love music. I love to have worship on. I love to have music on. Uh, but nine times out of ten, I'll drive completely truck quiet in that truck wherever I'm going because I have learned that God, God wants to speak to me in that truck. So I just set it off and let God talk. And we had running dialogues in that thing. And I just shared with my missionary team, I said, you will dominate where you resonate. You will dominate where you resonate. And what that means is we hear the hum of heaven. Heaven's kind of humming right now. Mm-hmm. 
And if we can tune into that like a tuning fork, begin to resonate that, you know, not much on TV resonating right now. I'm reading almost nothing, hardly even a headline, because there's almost no encouragement on there right now. Nobody's hearing from heaven on these things right now. So just stay away from it. Just turn it off. There ain't a thing on there that's going to make you smarter and better at the end of the day. You have got to hear from heaven. And that's one of the things he's trying to teach us right now. Because I think light is going to get lighter, but dark is going to get darker. It's not all going to get better and better and Jesus is coming back. And the whole world's not going to hell. And the basket of Jesus coming to rescue us. Neither one of those is true. The glory of God is going to pour out in the earth as the waters cover the sea, and hell is going to fight like hell right up until the last minute that we are here. And so you're going to have to learn how to live in your peace and the joy of the Lord in some kind of bubble where when you reach out, you extend, you bump into somebody at Walmart, they get a little bit of who God is in you. You've got to learn to carry, maintain, hover in, live in, come with, Kingdom of Heaven in this season, and so that means kind of seven that out and seven him in, and then staying in that place. And you're going to have to learn how that works for you. I can give you some of that, uh, but not all of that. And so I want to talk especially about how our mind works this morning. Your mind is not your brain. This is a separate thing. This is an organ. Okay, that thoughts and ads and does stuff up here. If you've got a soul, your mind, will, and emotions, and this is where your mind works from. What we read at the beginning is a man thinks in his heart, in his mind, not in his brain. There's two different things. We'll talk about that just a little bit as we go. But your mind is really in here, in your heart. And there are scriptures that talk about Matthew 15 and verse 19. It says, out of the heart, not out of the brain, out of the heart, out of the mind, evil thoughts and murder and adultery. So it's the stuff that grows. The Bible says you're not defiled by what comes from the outside in, it's what comes from the inside out. It's what gets lost in your heart, which is your mind. What is allowed to take up residence in here? Once you decide a thing in your heart, then your brain will start proof-texting that for you. Your brain will start gathering material to store up your belief system. Uh, because you first believe in your heart. And then your brain will go out and begin to do what it needs to do to back up what your heart believes. So as a man thinks in his heart, this is also where the will lives. So this is where you get to make decisions. I will move this direction. I will move that direction. And so our conscious decisions affect our outcomes. Our body considers things, and then our will decides things. And then this organ up here, this brain, will begin to find the news articles, the opinions, the other people, birds of a feather flock together. So what we find in our heart, our mind, then we make a decision with our will. These all have to serve us. You can't run on mind, will, or emotion. It's the wrong spirit. God doesn't speak to any of those who speak to the spirit man, and you have to learn how to let your spirit man influence your soul man, or you'll be run by what you think. As a man thinks in his heart, so is it. Or our opinion, or our emotions. And we're going to have to discern in this next season because what looks good right now, we're finding out what looks good isn't always good. And so our mind considers things, our will decides things, and then our brain will support those. And so if in your heart you decided you're not all that smart, 
then life will reinforce that for you all day long. It's how it works. What I try to be true is going to affect the environment that I live in. And things will happen to you all day long that just supports me. I'm sure I wasn't that smart. And now you've done a couple of things. First, as you believe in your heart, and your brain's supporting that for you, and outcomes of life will come in through that filter, and then your mouth will agree with that, and you've empowered it. According to your faith, be it unto you. So this is simple, simple stuff. It's where we are right now. It's where we are right now. Because God does everything He does with His Word. He creates atmospheres and environments, and so do you. So do we with our mouth. That's why what you believe in your heart is so important. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You get squeezed. What comes out of your mouth is what you believe, and that infects the world that you live in. Simple stuff. Incredible. Powerful here. If you decide that no one likes you, you're a loner, you're an outcast, life will support that for you. You'll end up a room, just people, five chairs, and there'll be no chair for you. I've watched it happen to people. I've watched it happen. They carry your football or break a leg and you'll fall on That's what happens. That's support your belief system. This is how it works in life. And so, our heart sets the filter, our mind sets that up, and then that just gets reinforced in life over and over, all day long. You are either being or becoming who you think or believe yourself to be. You're either being or becoming who you think or believe yourself to be. And so you've got to stop and think about this. We have to stop. We run so fast, as I said, that we never thought about what we really think about. And the Bible's pretty clear on that. We're going to look at that as we go here this morning. You're either being or becoming who you think or believe yourself to be, or you are becoming who you believe God is you are. And let's qualify it here. You're becoming who God believes, who you believe God believes you are. Who you believe God believes you are. Not who God believes you are. Not who God says you are. But who you believe God believes you are. You believe what God believes about you. Often we don't. I can't tell you how many times the Lord has said to me, Ray, stop arguing with who I say you are. Some of you need to have that conversation. He can't love me because of this, or I'm that, or whatever. If you can use a lie, it's all those ungodly beliefs, and they have to be dealt with. And I'll show you that in just a minute. 2 Corinthians 4 4. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Satan's not God, this is a little key here, but he does work through the world systems, financial systems, media systems educational systems, and they will support your belief. You're not as rich as that one, you're not as smart as this one, you're not as good as that one. And so the God of this world has not blinded the minds of God could not love me. I'm just a sinner. I'm not that smart. I mess everything up. I could never be this or do that. That's spiritual blindness. So Scripture doesn't support any of that. Scripture doesn't support any of that, so we remain blind. 
us to be found spotless and blameless in Christ we are. Your spirit man is. Your spirit man's holy. But that has to get worked out through your soul and your flesh. And so we're talking about some solutions this morning. And this is where I really want to get to. Just help you with some of this. Maybe help you get you on a track or if you've been going there, just encourage you to go there some more. Uh, often, we're, a lot of us are doing really good, but then God will put his finger. God's put his finger on some things in my life. In the last three months, six months, he just goes after some things because he wants to give us more of him. And whatever you keep of you, restricts what he can give you of him. That's the trade-off. It's all exchange. You want 80% you, 20% him, you got it. You want 80% him, 20% you, there's a price to pay for that. But he always does better than we if you're willing to take that journey. If you're as good as me up here this morning, it would not all have heard me the first time I preached it. You lost a long time ago. God bless those guys. There's a lot more me than he in those days. And so, God is working on some things. And he wants to give us more. But we've got to do some shifting in this next season. The first thing we can do, Ephesians 4.23, says, be made new in the attitude of your mind. God knows this stuff. All through the epistles, Paul's books to the different churches in the New Testament, he will talk about these things over and over and over again. And if you're just trying to get started here, or you want to get going, get some momentum, you read these. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians, those short three, four, five chapter books that letters really that Paul wrote because he really lays out the basic Christian life in those things. He says, be made new in the attitude of your mind. Fix your mind. Change your attitude. How many times do we say that to our children, to our grandchildren? Change your attitude. You know, has anybody ever told you that on your job or in life? We have to start believing what God says about us over you or anyone else. That can change our attitude. And it is a process. And God can do some things where we're different. There triggers things that happen. And man, tomorrow's different than today. But most of the things in life, you're going to have to walk it out. You spend four hours digging a hole, you're going to spend four hours filling it back in. I have guys uh, over the years that have gotten to a place of burnout in ministry. They've been two years of running seven days a week, 12 hour days, and they're burned out. And they want to pray a prayer, take a week off, and go back to it. Huh? God rewards stupid with the time it takes to get unstupid. If God just healed us of every stupid thing we did, we just keep doing stupid things. And so you reap what you sow. And so if it took it years to get stupid, it's probably going to take a little bit of time to get unstupid. And so you just got to kind of walk it out. So we look for, you know, I run to McDonald's at the one that's in Palace Beach. I'll drive out to the wall in the interstate. You know, instead of waiting two minutes, I'll drive a minute so I only have to wait a minute. That's how we think, isn't it? And so if you're thinking it works that way with God, you are blinded in your mind. Already. Already. So it is a process. It's a bi-faith journey. You have to take God at His word. Listen, guys, I've got 25 years invested in sonship. And God's still showing me stuff. He's still tweaking stuff. He's still doing stuff in me. 
it is a journey. You have to be committed to the long haul here. You have to be in it. J-O-U-R-N-E-Y. It is journey. It is journey. The Matthew 25, 29 says this, Whoever has will be given more, and he shall have an abundance. You take what you have, and you go with what you have, until you get the next thing. You've got a key that gets you through a door. When you get through that door, you get another key. And that key is through the next door. And that's how it works. You've got a tool. You can use that tool so God gives you. You've all played a video game. You use your knives until you get a sword. You use your sword until you get a pistol. You use your pistol until you get a rifle. That's very much how it works in the kingdom of God. The man who has will be given more. You've got a seed. You plant that seed. You get some fruit. You plant those. And you get a forest eventually. To him who has will be given more. So you have to get on things and stay on things. There has to be some consistency. You're going to have to set a time during the week, an hour in the morning, one day of the week. You're going to have to take an evening and not turn it. You're going to have to do something that lets you so into that thing you're going after. If all you've got is a scripture, then hang on to that scripture. Better be reading a chapter in Ephesians and stay on it for a month or a year than read through your Bible and not know what you read when you got to the end because you got through your chapters every day. Better to get a word and stay on that word. Find something that means something to you. And don't stick it on your mirror where you're shaving or fixing your hair or putting on your makeup or put it on your dashboard or something to keep it in front of you so that you can stay in the process. Because here's the next Verse John 8 31 and 32, and I'll read verse 36. Probably of all our scriptures this morning, this may be one of the most important ones. Then Jesus said to those who believe, these are Jewish believers already, if you abide in my word, to abide means to stay, continue, dwell, remain, it can mean get married. If you're married, you know, you come home. The same man or woman every single night, seven nights a week. So if you continue, if you remain, if you dwell in my word, then you are my disciples. A lot of us never make it out of believers into discipleship. Discipleship means I'm being transformed into his image by the word, and that's what we're talking about this morning. It says, and then you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So you've got to get enough truth in you. Truth is also a process. You've got to get enough truth in you that it begins to displace the bondage that you sang about this morning and brings freedom. And verse 36 says, And if the Son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. So it's free by fact. And that's what God wants us. I'm getting really uh, finished with a life of by faith. I'm grateful for some by fact. I believe God is trying to set us up for a by fact season. But he's got to do a little more work on us in this season. And what we need is truth. And truth is a process. You have to displace what is not true by adding what is true. You have to ask God, do I have any ungodly beliefs? You're going to have to let God examine your belief system. And then you're going to have to just repent for that. Okay, I'm wrong. One of the things that we end up with is a barbarian mindset. What the, what the Israelites dealt with in the Old Testament is why they had to be so harsh. It's because, well, you couldn't be saved, born again. You couldn't have a nature change in the Old Testament. And so they dealt a lot with the barbarian mindset. Those giants and a lot of those ice, it was still a detail. 
It was get out of war. It was tyranny. It was intimidation. It was fear. Anytime you think, well, this could happen. I could lose my job. Well, what if I'm not with the Jesus? That's a barbarian mindset. And there's some degree of, I have dealt with this in the last six months. I began, I was reading some things, I was going through some things, and I began to realize that there's some fear that had lodged in me. It's not very much my family in the last two years. You know, my stepfather and uh, my two in-laws and my wife and her sister. That can create some intimidation. And so what will rule then out of that is the barbarian mindset. That you're going to be controlled by you're just going to stop praying for people. You're just going to believe, stop believing God for stuff. And when I read this, I, I stopped and I repented. You lay hands on your heart and you repent of a barbarian mindset. You lay hands on your head and you repent of a barbarian mindset. And then you ask God to give you a Hebrew mindset. Hebrew is blessed to be a blessing. Blessed at all times. The blessing comes upon me. God made me. We need to read our Bible that way. Even this verse, you know, I'm looking at this verse this morning as a man thinks in his heart, and I almost always see that as negative because I'm trying to pull us. And if I had a Hebrew mindset, I should be seeing that as positive. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If I think I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, I am. If I think I'm the blessed of the Lord in my heart, if that's what I believe, I am. And God is telling me, even this morning, sitting right there, getting ready to do this, that too many times I look at things negative. Because that's what we're trained to do. And so we allow ourselves to work through a barbarian mindset and this fear, this intimidation. I mean, what I means I would like to use a bad word back right now. And that's more about fear and intimidation than it is about any kind of godly wisdom at all. But there's a little more to it than that. If you're not only responsible for you, I can believe God for me, but also interact with people all day long. And so, if you're going to pass them something, you better be able to lay hands on them and get a deal. And so, it's just, yeah, so there's all that stuff going on right now. The other mindset that we deal with is the Greek mindset. This is what Jesus and the disciples dealt with in the New Testament, and that is, is it reasonable? What we do on Sunday mornings often is pass knowledge on to you, believing that if we pass enough knowledge along, it will affect change in your life. But that's the great mindset. Hebrew mindset is I hear and I obey. Hebrew mindset is this is what the Word of God says, therefore I obey it. And we work many times. That's not unreasonable, but reason will be in the way of your faith many, many times. But that's not reasonable. Listen, pay your time. And half of you statistically don't pay your time. Because it's not reasonable. How can you getting 10% of my income away put me in a better state financially? So God bless you, you leave a lot. Greek mindset. It's not reasonable. Doesn't add up. Faith doesn't always add up. You have to trust God. So there's a whole this morning, isn't it? So we will we'll lay hands on ourselves and we'll repent of Greek mindset. I did. I repented of Greek mindset and, and uh, barbarian mindset. I repented. Ask the Lord to forgive me. And my brain has been working differently 
think I did that. I don't know all the answers to things in the universe, but I'll do something I need to do at home, and I'll totally do it differently than I've done for 64 years. So I just did something that's pretty cool. And that comes by breaking off ungodly beliefs, that's what I'm talking about, and realigning ourselves. Not only that, and here's a huge challenge, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, may every God have dead. Shut it down. A lot of your brains look like those pinball machines we used to play. Multi-ball. Bing, 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 bing. Every TV show, everything that's on the radio, everything you're watching, it's just all going around in there. Not supposed to be that way. Shut it down. Take every thought captive. Don't keep your doors pinned open. Just allow stuff to run willy nilly in your brain. I'll show you a great person just to think that you have to break mental passivity. When we were in the Philippines, man, they loved singing and eighties music and these love that public transportation there. And you're riding along in public transportation and on the radio they're playing, I'm gonna lay you down in the bed of roses. And after a couple minutes you're just sitting there passing, you're not driving, you don't have to be taking a thing, and you're singing along with the song. That is not going to bear good fruit in your life. I like country music because it's really the heart and those best things from the soul, but there is hardly anything edifying in any country song, and so I can't do it. There are some amazing voices, but it's usually related to something that whiskey makes them do. You say, I've got a drinking problem, I don't have any problem drinking at all. I mean, that's cool, but I'm not going to sing it over and over again all day long. Because it will bear fruit. That means you're going to be an alcoholic. But what you do is you establish mindsets. You establish mindsets, things that are acceptable. And it's really hard. I mean, we're coming here this morning. We're going to interact with a holy God, the God of the universe. You want to carry some real stuff out of here? Then you come ready to carry some real stuff out of here. You come dragging yourself in, and you're full of, you know, six days and 22 hours worth of that. And then you expect that in an hour you're going to meet with God, and that's all going to be changed. Highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. It takes preparation. It takes process to get us in that place that begins right here. Right here. Take every thought captive. You're going to have to have some truth that becomes a plumb line, and you're going to hold the line. You're going to hold the line. Exercise some faith. Take something out of God's Word. And hold on to it because we literally become a reflection of the mirror that we hold up in front of ourselves. We just looked at Second Corinthians 10 5. I want you to I want to back up and I want to show you the context of that. First, we're talking about our mind here, but look at verse 4. Second Corinthians 10 4 says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Why are we talking about weapons? Not carnal. The mighty two gods that are pulling down strongholds. Where are those strongholds? Well, this verse there in our mind. This is what he's talking about here. Then you come to verse 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself. It says, no, it's this way. Against the knowledge of God. Anything. And bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Strongholds get established 
because they continually get reinforced. That's what I said at the beginning. If you believe a lie, then all of life is going to continue to reinforce that. And at 60, 65, you still think you're no good. You still think you're a sinner. You still think you're a failure. Why? Because that's been reinforced for 60 years in your life. And so, you have to begin to turn that around, change the attitude of your mind, cast down imaginations, pull down strongholds. How do we pull down strongholds from where they get built? You watch brick masons work? One brick, one brick, one brick. How do you pull down strongholds in your mind? Thinking, doubt, unbelief, fear? One brick, one brick, one brick. Same way it went up, it comes down. One brick at a time. One brick at a time. That's where my brain goes. So you have to choose. So it's day after day, week after week, it takes some time to get in a habit. And once you get this established, then other things come up. A couple specific things we can do. One is put on your armor. That's in Ephesians 6. We don't talk about that a lot, but there's a lot of warfare terms. In the New Testament, I'm working on a new book, and uh, the second chapter of the book is when reality becomes real. And a bunch of us have never really admitted we're at war. You're losing a battle. You never. Devil's eating your lunch, and you're not fighting back. If you've never admitted, you admit you're at war, then you get beat up a few times, then you humble yourself and say, God, what's happening to me in Asia? First time I went to another nation, I got it kicked in the backside. Second time I prayed before I went, then got kicked while I was there. Next time I prayed before I went, and while I was there, and my wife got T-boned with one of my children in the Philippines. So I learned you pray before, during, and at least a week or two after the church until the devil goes on someplace else. And so I lost some battles. And I learned, and that's how it works. You engage. You fight, you lose some, you get humble, you go to God, you say, well, I need to know that I didn't know, and he teaches you some things, and you find some scriptures, or you pick up a book, or you ask somebody in here who's been doing it for 20 or 30 or 40 years, and you get some wisdom. I used to think that wisdom would be poured into me like a big funnel. didn't come that way. It often came to my wife. Once I realized my wife had wisdom, I suddenly found almost everybody in the world had some wisdom. You might be cutting off the very voice that God would like to use to speak to you. Mindset. Moving a lot. So, put on your armor. If you're a soldier, you suit up. You warrior up. Just, just doing this in the morning. Father, I'm putting on my armor. Which change the attitude of your mind. You're not going out as a slave, as a servant, as a worker wherever you are. You're going out as an ambassador, an arm, an armor bearer, army. That's the difference. Go back one. So doing that prepares your mind for action. I'm working with my grandsons because they need to know most of your woundings come in before the age of reason. You get arrows and darts. When you're two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years old before you can go, that's not right. And so people are telling you you're stupid. They're telling you you can't do this. Sometimes even parents do that. And you're accepting those things. And it's creating the mindset, the strongholds that now we're dealing with here on Sunday morning. 
20, 30, 40 years later. And so you put your armor on. I'm teaching my grandson. You know, you put on your helmet of salvation. You put on your breastplate of righteousness. And this may be a starting place for some of you. You need to read Ephesians chapter 6, 2 Corinthians 10 that we've been reading from. Learn how to use your sword, which is God's word out of your mouth. I use a shout when God tells me to shout. You find shout all through the Bible. You shout a thing down when it's anointed by God. Just shouting doesn't mean a thing, but God says you need to shout to this. Shout, shout, grace, grace. Shout, grace, grace to the mountain and it moves. Grace is divine ability. And so there are times when you shout. If you will shout, it will break some stuff off of you. God is not nervous. More hurt his feelings by shouting. At my mouth, I'll shout. In my throat, I'll shout. I feel, I feel like the devil has influence. So you need to about some stuff. There is a righteous, holy indignation. You can shake it off sometimes. It's an overcoming spirit, a warrior spirit. And you rise up in some of these things. What does the scripture say? Second Corinthians two fourteen. God always causes us to triumph. Triumph means to completely obliterate your enemy. Second Corinthians ten four. The weapons we fight with are not of this world. They demolish strongholds. First John five four. Everyone born of God overcomes in this world. This is the victory. This is what God intends. This is what God intends for us to triumph and overcome. We have to engage, and that starts here in our hearts. A couple more verses, and we'll bring this to you. You guys don't have a clock back there, I can see. It's 11.30. All right, we'll start wrapping this thing up. Here's the verse that will help us. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. This is very interesting how this is written. It says, Gird up the loins of your mind. That is an interesting turn of phrase right there. Gird up the loins of your mind. You know what comes from loins? Babies. Did you know your mind had loins? First Peter 1.13, it does. Now, I have taught this verse for years. We teach it in some of our courses. And what we really talk about is preparing your mind for action. But if you stop and look at that this time, a little deeper, and I read it in strong importance, which gives you a breakdown of what these words mean, what is Greek in the New Testament. And this means to take control of the procreative power of your imagination, mind, and understanding. Is that not what I said earlier? Your mind creates. And some of your minds are having babies out of wedlock. But you let them go to a place and you don't stop it, and it runs to where it runs, and then it receives something, and now you're not dealing with a thought that the end of the story shut down. Now you're dealing with an imagination that other things have been added to, and you are laying a foundation for a stronghold. And when it's time to get rid of that stronghold, we can pray, we can break it. It's just probably going to have to go home and dismantle it piece by piece. You know, I grew up reading pornography. And I got delivered and set free from that. It took years, years, 
pulling that down once he spent time. But even to this day, I'm very, very wise about what I watch on television and watch very little, but very much. Because it will take you to places and kick your imagination in, and if you don't cut that thing down, this is simple stuff. This is simple stuff. Gird up the this is good verse to look at this morning. Gird up the loins of your mind. Take control of appropriated power because it will burst stuff you don't want burst. And so you've got to cut that down. A good weapon for that is the helmet of salvation. All these articles of armor are listed. This is verse 17. And if you think about salvation, how are we saved? We're saved by the blood of the Lamb. We're saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus. That's the cleansing agent. In the Old Testament, blood covered and protected. In the New Testament, it cleanses and changes. And so, when I see myself with my helmet of salvation on, I see myself with my mind covered with the blood of Jesus. And it works when you understand it. This work that makes sense to you, there's some degree of revelation there, this begins to work for me. I will have dreams, terrible dreams, and ancient nightmares, you have ungodly dreams, and I learned at some point to begin to put on my helmet of salvation before I went to bed, and I never, 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 never have an ungodly dream at night. All that noise, if you feel like there's this constant roar going on in your mind, do a little study on this and put on your helmet of salvation and it will go away. We were in the poll and I was talking to our missionaries about this and the missionary wife said, that is interesting to me because I go to the market about three blocks away, everything's fresh fruits and vegetables. And she said, I will get halfway there and there's a big Hindu temple. And when I get to the corner, I will not know why I'm there. I will not know where I'm going. That's demonic activity. We've dealt with that all over Asia. And so... He said, I'll just be lost. And I said, you have got to put on the helmet of salvation. You have got to be sure that your mind is covered with the blood of Jesus. And so, it's an incredible thing that you can do to keep your mind covered. Isaiah 26, verse 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. If you don't have peace this week, I can tell you where your mind is. I can tell you where it isn't. We've accepted a lot. We believe that whatever's going on out there, now changes my being system. Changes my God's ability to do what He said He would do in His Word. And that's not all automatic. That's what I'm saying today. It's not all automatic. But we have to keep in our place. We prepare our minds. Look at this in James chapter 1, verse 14. It just backs all this up. When a person is tempted, they're dragged away by their own desire, and then desire conceives and gives birth to sin, and sin gives birth to death. And so we're dealing with life and death stuff because at some point we didn't stop the imagination. You set it down to the beginning, then it doesn't have time to conceive. Fear, doubt, what if? All of those things we can shut down. Helmet, helmet, helmet. Really helps you put a helmet on that stuff. And it'll really help you think about what you're thinking about. Turn off stuff that's not going to take you where you want to go. Put in stuff. And I can't, I can't listen to stuff all day long. 
it becomes overflow for me. I just need a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of the Word of God, a little bit of what somebody's saying to keep me going. And so you have to kind of find your MO, how things work for you. And I'm not saying you got to do eight hours of this or 12 hours of that. Do five minutes of something that means something to you that you can hold on to. The other thing is, if you put on your righteousness, you have a breastplate of righteousness. This is where all your internal organs are. This is where your emotions, your bowels of mercy, your compassion, all of that works in here. So you put on righteousness. You have a breastplate of righteousness. And I found an incredible verse as I was preparing for this that I have never actually taught in my whole entire life. Isaiah 59, verse 17, talking about Jesus, says, He put on righteousness as a breastplate. That just blew Jesus. The righteous one put on righteousness as a breastplate. But he's in a world at war. And he put on his righteousness. He covered himself. Righteousness comes from the blood of Jesus also. It says he put on righteousness as a breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his hand. If Jesus did it, maybe we want to do it too. Let's pray. All right? 10 Corinthians 5.21. God made him to be sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. So you have to activate righteousness and verbally is the way to do that. I put on righteousness. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I may not feel like it. I may not always act like it. But that's what God says. And so that's my plug line, and that's what I'm going towards. And then you begin to walk that journey out. All those things that are not as though they were until they become fabric in our lives. That's Father Abraham. Listen, guys, God's not after your sin. He died for it. He's after your righteousness. If you feel like that's a, that's a barbarian mindset, if you think God's after you because of your sin, He's not. He paid for it. Done, buried, dealt with. It's not your righteousness. Because he'd like to give you about 10 or a million times more than you have right now. And the more we can allow him to be Lord over these things, the more we can just be brave enough to let him have it or to content of it or whatever, the more he can hand us in the seasons to come. God's not after your to pay for it. He's after your righteousness. The final thing here is 614, put on the belt of truth. It's truth, God's word is truth. What holds all the armor, the breastplate, the passes here, you know, your weapons are mounted here on your belt. And so what holds it all together, you have to accept God's word is truth. You've got to have something that's a plumb line. So that's not what the word says. The word says this, I don't feel, I don't see it, but that's what it says, and that's the journey I'm on. And you begin to displace ungodly beliefs and unrighteous mindsets with what God's word says. People who has to be given more. I started out really looking at inheritance, and that led me to sonship, and sonship led me to other things. And I've been on that journey for 25 years now, and God continues to show me things. Because once you begin a journey, He'll show you. So, we come into agreement, we come into alignment, we often fight against truth in our own minds, and we have to recognize that and take some authority over that, and then begin to. Move towards the things that will change that. So, to conclude, to see what happens when we're past it, when we believe a lie, when we settle for who we believe we are, we've always been, that's what our parents were, that's the way it is, then we perpetuate that and we continue to be controlled by it, whether it's true or not, because it becomes true to us. 
and then your lives and experiences are just going to continue to reinforce that. And even what we desire continues to prove that that is true because your brain will come into agreement with your mind. My boys, I'll cook something for my grandboys. They say, we don't like that, Grandpa. I say, you've never seen it. We've never had it. You don't know what's in it. It's made from sugar and candy and ice cream. They don't know what's in it, but they decided they didn't like it. Where did they decide that? Right here. In their mind. And then they eat it. No, we don't like it. I said, oh, you don't like it because your brain has now agreed with your heart. You decided in your heart you didn't like it, and now your brain agrees. That's how things work. That's an oversimplification, too. But that's how things work. So, you have to refuse to be a victim of that. God didn't make you to be a victim. He made you to be a victor, an overcomer, a conqueror, a triumpher. Take a stand, make choices, control where your mind goes. Think about what you're thinking about. I had to start doing this a long time ago. I had to think about what I was thinking about. And taking thoughts captive and putting in what God says, even if it's a verse. That's your verse of the month, even if that's what it is. Even if it's by faith. So you begin to pull down strongholds brick by brick and exchange truth for a lie and be made rude in the attitude of our minds. It really depends on how hard you want to work at it. You know, you want to see great transformations, so take some time. If you want to steadily do this, you can steadily do this. You can go as fast as you want to go. But stand up with me this morning. We're going to bless our minds here this morning. I'm telling you, be encouraged for greatest things are just ahead of us. I believe it. We're here. You've never been here before. Devil doesn't get to be Lord. Jesus still on the throne. Whatever's born of God overcomes in this world. It's not by might, not by power, by the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. There's all the inside of you, so you might come out all right at the end of this thing. Just let hands on your heart this morning. Father, has not been the most fun season that we have been through. But so much of what we said this morning, you have been faithful. Continue to be faithful. What we see with our physical eyes are not our greatest days. And you're doing everything you can to get us to hold on to hope, to not let go of the rope, to continue to believe for what is coming. And so, Father, this morning we just lay our hands on our hearts where our mind resides, our soul. And we just ask you to forgive us. We repent of where we have allowed the barbarian mindset to rule in our lives. And we will allow any fear or intimidation or heavy handedness or any loss from our past to rule. Father, break off of us this morning. We repent. We ask forgiveness. And we ask you to break the power of the barbarian mindset that works in our mind. We lay hands on our brain this morning and we say the same thing. We repent where within our brain has a lot of fear, doubt, unbelief. Lord, challenge us where we're intimidated, where we work, where there's any fear of man. Father, this religious, political spirit that we live in right now where we can't say a thing or do a thing. Father, that is about to be broken 
and we break it over our own minds this morning. In Jesus' name, we lay hands on our hearts and we pray this morning that you would forgive us for the Greek mindset that it has to be reasonable, that it has to make sense every time, that it has to line up this way or that way, that if we just add knowledge, yeah, we know this and we know that, but what about the obedience of it? Father, we ask you to forgive us for allowing a Greek mindset to work in us, that we're controlled by the way people tell us things should work or the way people say things should work. We need to hear from you. Father, we need to be moved by what you say. We ask you to forgive us, Lord. Cleanse our hearts, our way of thinking, our understanding, our thought processes, of that Greek mindset, that reason that keeps us bound and limited, that it can only work this way. And we lay hands on our brain this morning, and we ask you to forgive us. We repent, Lord, of allowing the Greek mindset to settle in our brain, that we work by our own thought process by our own brain, by our own reason, we ask you forgiveness for that, and we break it. And this morning, I break the orphan spirit, Father. The orphan spirit works in both of these domains, where we feel unloved, unwanted, we lack identity in some way, we don't know who we are, we break that, you come to us in the spirit of sonship, you place us in, as sons and daughters, this next season is going to be about the kingdom and sons and daughters, and that has to get established in our lives. And so, Father, I ask you for a greater impartation of the spirit of sonship, the spirit of adoption in these men and women, that there's a relief in the season to come, and we just bless our minds. We bless our hearts, our minds, our brains this morning with the Hebrew mindset that you're God, that you are Father God, that you made it all, you own it all, you rule it all. It will always be yours that you set times and seasons that you're not surprised by anything. You said in your word that if we walk in obedience to you, your blessings come upon us. You said the blessings of the Lord make us rich and add no sorrow with it. You said that we're blessed to be a blessing at all times and all places. Father, we receive the blessing of the Hebrew mindset this morning that we think like you think that we understand, that we're going to see things new, that we're going to see things with your eyes. I pray for eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to know and understand this morning. And Father, we break off generational curses. We are not our fathers, we are not our grandfathers, we're not our great-grandfathers this morning. We break it off, it's under the blood, just like Israel when they stepped into the Jordan River and it said the water rolled back to a town called Adam. We're almost back to Adam this morning, Father. We are not under the curse, we're not under the blessing, and we rebuke it this morning in Jesus' name. Whether they stay up your day, feeling more cursed and blessed, Father, we're done with that. We're done with that. We're done with that this morning in Jesus' name. We walk under the blessing. We are the blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. And Father, I pray that there would be such a sensitivity going out of here. When something rises up that's cursed, when something rises up that's fearful, when something rises up that's anything but the blessing of God that will shut that down, that you cause us to be sensitive about this morning. We are who you say we are. We are who you say we are. We are who you say we are. We are becoming, Father. We are becoming. But you are in the becoming. And so, Father, I release the blessing over these men and women this morning in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.